0: Sawabona, my friend, you may be wondering what in the universe does Sawabona mean and what is its significance to this podcast? Well, for starters, Sawabona is a South African greeting that translates to, we see you. We meaning us and our ancestors. We felt the vibration of this beautiful word and greeting so strongly, and we hope you do too.
1: We're Kelly and Nadine. As recovering perfectionists and people pleasers facing our shadows and healing our trauma has been the single most liberating and loneliest quest we have ever encountered until that is we met each other that's when we discovered we were two sides of the same coin
0: kelly's purpose is to awaken herself and others through her gift of experimenting with life and making leaps into the unknown Nadine
1: encourages us to indulge our senses in the delights of the material and spiritual
0: realms. In this podcast, we will explore personal growth, parenthood, relationships, human design, midlife transitions, all things woo, and anything else you talk to your soul tribe about. Together, we're excited to share and embrace our own stories of awakening as we invite you, dear listener, to share yours.
1: Our goal is for you to feel seen, heard, and embraced on this magical and sometimes messy ride of life. Our intention is to create a nourishing and inspiring community for those daring enough to awaken to your true authentic self and have fun doing it together. So hello, hello, and we are welcoming a very important guest today on the We See You podcast. And we're really excited to introduce her to you. And we want to incorporate this idea of loving ourselves, especially as moms, we want to incorporate the idea of loving ourselves, taking time for ourselves, and just the importance of recognizing that if we have an empty cup, then we have very little to give to others. And our special guest here is Ani Michalski. She is the founder of Moms Without Kate And she's here to talk to us about being a mom and taking care of yourself and helping us learn how to fill our cups up so that we can be better at giving to others. So welcome, Ani. We're so happy to have you here.
0: Welcome, <laughs> Ani, thank you for being a guest on our show today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So So
1: we use the greeting Sawabona on our podcast, which is a South African greeting for we see you. So we start every podcast with Salbona.
2: Salabona. Salabona.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to say. It's not as easy to to read it, but to say it, it's just an easy greeting. And it just means that we recognize delight in you as we have this conversation. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're You're welcome. So we'd love to hear about your journey as, as a mom yourself. You have a lot of kids. How many kids again do you have? Half a dozen. Half (laughs) half a dozen kids. So you know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just going to put that up. Well, it's it's a
0: grow as we go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You have, you have three times more kids than I have. So that (laughs) gives you three times the credibility in in my book, because we know all our kids are different, right? Every child brings us a new lesson and a new awareness of ourselves. And so when you have six kids, that's a lot of, that's a lot of personal growth and a lot of personal development right there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us how you, how you started moms without caves and what it is exactly that you do and, and
2: why you started it? Sure. So like you mentioned, I have six kiddos, but two of them are officially adults, like legal adults. So I've been married for, we're coming up to our 24th anniversary this this summer, and so our kids range from ages 23, and then we've got 19, two twin year old, two twins, 16 year olds. One of our twins is our only boy, so I have all daughters, and then we've got a 13 year old and a nine year old. So we've got. Um, I'm very much still in the thick of things, even though we've got two that are out of the house. And over the years, yeah, over the years, I have held on to my super mom cape tight, like taking care of everyone and everything. At one point, like we owned a business. I was homeschooling. We had moved across the country. I'm originally from the East coast. So we moved to Montana and I had a really hard time dealing with all of the guilt and like feeling like I was never enough feeling like it was my job to take care of these kids. My husband was a provider, very traditional gender roles. I grew up My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad owned his own construction business. And so that was all I really knew. Like my grandparents, it was the same thing. I just knew that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, right? And didn't really think anything of it. And I made it my mission to take care of everyone and everything else to the point where it was almost like this control that I held. And about 12 years into it, I tell the story like we moved to Montana and our oldest was 12 years old. And my mom wasn't one to like really watch our kids very often, like one at a time. And I remember being on the phone with my friend and my mother-in-law wanted to take the kids for the weekend. So at that time we only had four kids because we moved here when I was pregnant with our number five and she wanted to take the kids for a weekend. And I remember having this breakdown that all kinds of things went through my mind. Like, no, she can't have my kids. I don't even know what I was thinking. Like Separation I thought- I felt such guilt. I was like, no, I was like complaining to my husband. No, she can't take the kids for the weekend. And I remember being on the phone with my friend at the time. And she was just like, are you crazy? Why are you not like, take the weekend? She's offering you this gift and you're refusing to take it. And I could, I just, there was so much in me that I just couldn't. I felt like it was my job. You know, I couldn't step away for a minute because I had these kids and it was my responsibility and mine alone. And I really had a hard time leaning into the village and accepting help. I couldn't accept help. And my worth was tied to my role as a motherhood, as a mom. And it wasn't working. And so all in all, I did let her take the kids (laughs) Kids go. And it was an amazing weekend. But it was at that point that I was able to start the process of letting go, letting go of the control, letting go of the super monkey, dealing with the guilt, letting go of the perfectionism and the people pleasing and all of the things that kept me trapped in this complete state of overwhelm and not being able to prioritize myself. And I started doing Zumba. I started running. I was running half marathons. I started recognizing the fact that I was important enough to prioritize, and I started really digging into self-care, even though I didn't call it, oh, I'm going to go practice self-care today. Now, looking back, that was exactly what I was doing, but I had to do all of that mindset work first. So fast forward a few years after that, I was certified as a health coach, and I decided that in 2017, I was kind of restless. I was like, what do I want to do? I knew I wanted to do something. So I was actually looking at some dance studios and I wanted to bring in the nutrition aspects. At that point, I was really into like the whole, you know, health world. Right. And we lived in a really small town and looking back, I'm like, thank goodness I didn't go with that because I never would have been able, it would have had to have gone virtual. There was not enough clientele to even support that kind of business, having like a whole studio there. And so at that time, my husband's like, well, why don't you actually start something that you went to school for? And I had got my master's in counseling back in 2003. So I decided that I was going to go get licensed as a therapist here in Montana. So that was in 2017. It took me a few years to get my supervision, like you have to do 2,300 hours or 3,000 hours, but I already had 700 out of the way. And in 2019, I was certified as a health coach. I was licensed as a therapist. I'm like, I'm starting my own business. So I originally had started with weight loss was like, cause I were, I hired a business coach and she's like, you have to niche, niche down and, all this stuff. and you're like, what's part of your story. And I did weight loss. But in the meantime, with everything that I was doing, I couldn't manage my own weight. I felt like more than an imposter. I felt like I, how, who am I giving this advice and I'm struggling so bad and I can't get it, I can't get it together. But it started way back before that. Weight loss was really just a byproduct of the fact that I decided to prioritize myself more. Like over the years, I continued to to take that and just focused it in different areas. Like when I went back into work, that was really a way of doing something for me that wasn't, of course, my family benefited. We, we went on amazing trips. We were we like able to afford things and stuff, but it was really just giving myself permission to prioritize myself and let go of the guilt that came with it for so long that I was able to do that. So then after a, a, a while, I was like, you know what? I don't want to focus on weight loss. It feels just not right for me. I want to help other moms who are struggling with that super mom complex or super mom syndrome and helping them let go of those things that are keeping them on the back burner or on the shelf or in the background of their life, whatever metaphor you want to go with. That's what I landed on. And that's when moms without capes really came to life. I, I actually looked it up and I was like, oh it's available as a domain. I'm getting it. And then eventually I even got I did the whole register trademark of it and just went all out with my I leaned into it and I was like I'm doing it. This is it. So now I do my courses and workshops and all kinds of things that all focus on helping moms take off their super mom cape. Get comfortable with prioritizing themselves. I love it
1: because it's the story of turning your own struggle into your superpower.
2: Yes. Okay. You get you're trying to
1: superpower out, but you, it is your superpower because mm. you overcame it and now you're teaching it to others, right? So yeah, you've learned it yeah. yourself and now you're teaching it to others. And I think that's just what most every coach... Does right? Is if, if you take the journey yourself before you can ever begin to share it with others. And that's why I love that you brought up the imposter syndrome. When you were in the in the journey of you know health and wellness and weight loss, it sounds like you weren't feeling like you could share that while you were in your struggle of it. Yeah, right. I'm
2: still figuring it out. And that's another thing, even now with the super bomb keep thing. I have a coach now that I work with, a business coach. And I was crying to her like it was a week that was just everything (laughs) was going on. And I felt so overwhelmed. I'm like, how can I help moms make time for themselves when I am in this moment feeling so overwhelmed? And she's like, this is the reason why you're the exact person to be teaching this. What are you going to do to get yourself out of that? Because like, I knew the steps. I knew what to do. She's like, sometimes we have to coach ourselves on the exact thing that we're trying to help others do as well. So I think over Keen, isn't necessarily, but I definitely have made a lot more progress and have been able to prioritize, which what we're going to talk about today is self-care over, you know, being able to put myself on my own to-do list and making sure that I'm spending time doing the things that I know are going to be better for me.
0: I just wanted to point out something too, as I'm listening to your story, I love how the universe just handed you such a beautiful gift through your mother-in-law that you are in such resistance to, right? You were just in such resistance to receiving. It's so hard as moms, because we're constantly giving, giving, giving of ourselves to everyone else and everyone else comes first before us. And the thought of someone giving us a gift, giving us a blessing, receiving something just feels so unnatural to us. (laughs) And look at the opportunity that you turn that into. I love that. So mom, sometimes we have to take a pause and really just be open to what the universe is offering us. Yeah, Beautiful catalyst, beautiful story.
1: What does it mean? What's our mindset around receiving help? Where does it come from to not accept help yeah. from others when it's offered? Why is that so
2: hard for us? Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, we Bonnie? have this, we have this innate, like not being enough. Right. And so when someone offers to help us, we put our back up. like, no, I've got it. We have to defend. It's just the psychological need that we have, like that we have to do it. We have to do it all. We have these beliefs, the limited beliefs that are keeping us from accepting help because we have all sorts of beliefs about what asking for help or what accepting help means. You can't do it. Just The things that have happened throughout your life that are now standing in the way of you being able to just graciously accept help. And that's it. We make it mean a whole bunch of other things when really, if we were able to learn to accept help, it would be so much, I mean, like I said, I still struggle with this and even asking for help, not even just except I wasn't asking her to, to help. She was offering this hand and I was just like, no, no, like these are my kids. <laughs> when I think back, on, I'm like, it's crazy, but so many moms do it. And I still struggle with asking for help, but I, it's really not just learning how to ask for help. Right. But also getting in touch with those beliefs that are preventing you from being able to ask for help.
0: Pride, ego. There's so many reasons mm-hmm. why. We don't want to accept it. How did you finally take down the walls?
2: Yeah. So it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I mean, I spent years just like doing a lot of journaling, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of baby steps, definitely baby steps. This is another example. I wanted to go to the Zumba class and my friend continued to ask me, thank goodness she was persistent because I had every excuse, right? No, my family, I need to make dinner. I need to make sure the house is clean. I need to make sure the laundry is done. We were homeschooling. So like all the lessons were done. I had all of these things in my mind that I had to do. And they were all these things that were like taking priority over just going and having fun. And she continued to ask. And one night, I always think of like the stars lined up, but it really wasn't. Like I was able to just go. My husband was home. The The dinner was in the crock pot. You were Nobody able to let happy. go. Yeah. They, were all, <laughs> they were all entertained. Let go and go. <laughs> yes, I had to <laughs> let go and go. Exactly. And I went and like just that baby of just going was huge. So it wasn't really, it felt like a huge step, but it was really like, then I went and holy smokes, I felt so alive. I loved it. The energy, it was positive reinforcement for the next time. It didn't take that much effort. Every time I went, I I was able to let a little bit go, a little bit more go and like realizing this was benefiting my family in such a way because for so long, I kept that mask up. This is what it means to be a good mom and i am going to devote all of my time 24/7 <laughs> to making this work and it was killing me inside like i wasn't giving myself that opportunity to feel alive
1: it's really heartbreaking when we look back on our former selves and we see what we used to believe and that we used to just keep ourselves from living fully so i just want to honor that because i think a lot of us can relate to those moments where we were just really stuck and Mm. going through the motions. And what I heard you say was, this is what I thought it meant to be a good mom. Where does that come from? We Mm. have this conditioning from society and culture and maybe our own moms that says, this is what a good mom looks like. So we spend so much time and energy and effort just trying to live up to this expectation. It's impossible. It's impossible. And we're never going to get there. You yeah. know, wake up, Mom. We're never going to get there. <laughs> so I love that the letting go is really the critical piece is letting go of our belief around what it means to be a good mom. The other piece that you mentioned was the trust that it takes. to let go. Yes, to trust in others, right. to trust in that help and that support because that's part of the letting go. The more yes. we let go, the more we get to trust yes. that the resources will be available. And as we build our trust and and you were able to, to let go and you were able to go and, and fill your cup at the Zumba class, the more you did that, I imagine the more you trusted, the more you let go, the more you released and the more you felt even more alive.
2: Absolutely. But you have to be aware of what those unrealistic expectations are. If we continue on autopilot and we don't stop to question, what excuses am I making? What are the expectations that I'm having? How am I defining what it means to be a good mom? All of those things, if we're not stopping and pausing to question them, then we're gonna continue on autopilot. We're gonna continue to feel stressed and overwhelmed and feeling like all of this pressure is on us. And it's gonna continue to keep us with this mask on. It's gonna continue to keep us like unfulfilled. I know that for me, in
0: my experience, I was acting from the subconscious. So I really wasn't aware that I had all of these limited beliefs and I was super in control and just all of these things. And so what I learned though, was I was super reactive. I was that person who said, I'm never going to yell at me kids. I'm going to just be soft spoken with them. And then as soon as I had kids, I was like, wow. <laughs> That's
2: not real and so, <laughs> and it's just because you get
0: so frustrated, you reach your limit and you mm-hmm. don't know. And all these other things are triggering you. <laughs> and so you don't know that you need the break. You don't know that you need a pause. You don't know that you need to take a step back and reevaluate what's really making you so upset so, or frustrated yeah. or angry. It's not that you're a child painted on the wall today. Yeah.
2: A lot of my clients, they struggle with mom rage, feeling like they're, they're just nothing is- working. And like, it's a lot of that reactive and stuff. And it's funny, but it's not funny because we're like, like, what do, what do I need? That's really what it comes down to the client or the mom saying, what do I need to be able to break through the rage or the guilt or all of those heavy emotions that are really like keeping us from being our best self. But so often we just don't ask ourselves that. We just say, what do you need? What do you need? You know, how can I make you happy? And we don't stop to say, what do I need to be able to be my best self so that I can provide? So that I can be that best person. Because our kids need us to be us. Not that definition of good mom or not that definition of the perfect mom. Yeah. Do you have a formula or a framework that you use with clients? So I don't. This is something I do not have because I feel like it's all personalized. In my one-on-one program, it's called the Supermom Detox. Mm -hmm. And there are certain areas that we address, right? Like perfectionism and people-pleasing and the unrealistic expectations. So I really adapt it to the person who I'm (laughs) working with. To be able to say, okay, well, what's next? What do you feel like? Because we function on that autopilot and we don't really do a lot of self-digging or reflection on ourselves. And so I really take cues from my clients to say, okay, what do we need next? What do you need next in order to continue letting go? So as I guide them, I don't have this set framework. Next, we're gonna work on this. Next, we're gonna work on this. I have the areas. And a lot of times they'll say, well, I don't struggle with perfectionism. But yet they'll struggle with procrastination or <laughs> stemming from perfectionism. And it shows up in different ways. And so I really do a lot of the thing. We start with just those unrealistic expectations and seeing what are those beliefs and what are the basic human rights? What do you feel like, regardless of anything, we have these human rights? And that's one of the first things we go through is what do you deserve? What as a human?
1: That's critical, right? Having that foundation of what is it that you deserve and I love that you tap into right out of the gates, you tap into some of the roots of what's going on that show up as symptoms, the symptoms of perfectionism and, and where that comes from and digging deep into that or the people pleasing or the rage. And so I'm curious to know how does a mom who's having this experience of either being stuck or being blocked or being reactive what's the tipping point for them to start asking for help? Because this is one of the issues that they struggle with is asking for help. So when they find you, are they at a tipping point of some kind? And what does that look like? So that's a great question.
2: So like Nadine mentioned, a lot of people don't know. They don't know. First, they don't know that there's another way, <laughs> Like that there's even a solution. So a lot of the women that come to me, they're looking for self-love. They're looking to improve their self-esteem. They don't realize that they hold the answer within them. And so as far as a tipping point, I would say a lot of the same symptoms that would come out as burnouts. They just yeah. feel exhausted at the end of the rope. They're on the verge of a mental breakdown. Is usually like when they're like, okay, I need help. Because of our expectations that we hold, part of that is not being able to ask for help, like not being able to recognize it in ourselves that something needs to change. And so I would say my counseling clients are at a much further demise than ones with coaching. I do a lot of education in my Moms That Keeps Facebook group. Right now we're in the middle of the claim your me time challenge. That's something that I've I've had moms say, Well, I don't really need time for myself. And I'm like, Yeah, but you will. You're not there yet. That's <laughs> like, why we need you to, That's why it. we need the time so that we don't <laughs>
0: reach the tipping point.
2: Yes, but I was like, <laughs> you, you, I was there. I get it. I know there was that time where I was like, What? It's my job to be with my kids 24-7. What do you mean, me time? I would be a bad mom if I had that. And so that is the the people, my challenge, it's not for everyone, but it's for those people that are like, you know what? I think I could benefit from having some time for myself. And so in my Facebook, I really am talking to like a few different audiences, the people who are just looking for that self-love. Hey, I just want to love myself a little bit more. I feel like I could just benefit from that to the point, okay, I am ready. I am ready to let go of all of these things, learn how to set some healthier boundaries, learn how to just stop trying to please everyone. Stop comparing myself, ready to really dig deep. And those are the people that are like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to hire you.
1: (laughs) It's so beautiful when you see people who are finally ready to Mm -hmm. get help and support. And whether you're on the the brink of needing that help or just recognizing kind of at some level that you want to be in community, right? Because you have a, a large Facebook community. And I know that So many moms out there feel alone in their journey as a mother. And it's not always easy to admit that you're struggling as a mom, because again, it's about our expectations that we're just supposed to be able to give all of these things and look amazing doing it and have the energy for our partners and all of the things. And so It's hard to even admit out loud or even to ourselves that we are struggling internally. And so I think that's what your community offers to moms is this chance to know that you're not alone and that it is hard. Being a mom is really difficult. It's an important role and it's really difficult and you don't have to do all the things, right? And so just giving moms permission. I love that you just give moms permission to just, like you said, take off the cape. Just allow yourself to be... You know, I don't know if you say this to your moms, but can you just be messy mom? Can you just be the mom that I don't got all my shit together today to kind of fall down and get back up again every day, which I feel like we do often. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you can meet moms where they're at, wherever they are in their journey. And because you have so many kids at various ages, you're able to tell those young moms, you may not be at this point yet, but if you're not careful, you're going to burn out. At this pace, at this rate, at this level of doing this, you're going to burn yourself out and Mm -hmm. you're going to start resenting. I mean, I know that when I was at that space, I started resenting Mm -hmm. my spouse, sometimes my kids even admittedly, Mm -hmm. all of the expectations and all the desires that they had for me. And I started resenting them for taking away from my me time. Yeah. And so that's not a healthy place to be either.
2: Yeah, Kelly, one of that just it just struck something. I used to feel so resentful. My husband like watching TV, and I would be like up there like run in the vacuum, bang in the pots and like. And I didn't realize I have that right to rest. I'm feeling so angry that he is able to rest. Does he not see that everything? And like, once I started letting that go and realizing, you know, that not to quote Taylor Swift, but yeah, I'm the problem. It's me. I love Taylor Swift. So you can quote her all day. (laughs) But really, like I can rest. I can give myself permission to rest. It's not going to be the end of the world. And it's actually going to be a better world if I let myself rest
0: we forget that we have that choice. Mm -hmm. We forget we have the choice because, you know, we create these labels. I'm selfish. If I go and prioritize myself, I'm selfish, you know? And so it really is just all about surrendering and releasing these limited beliefs that we just attach to all these things. And so prioritizing yourself is a choice.
1: Yes. I would love to know because self-care is a huge topic right now. Everybody's talking about self-care mm-hmm. and I would love to know what you define self-care as. And if you have any tips, specific tips that our listeners can walk away with today to start implementing and integrating self-care into their day.
2: Sure. So self-care, I define it as the expression of self-love, like you are taking care of yourself yourself. Beyond just the shower, I mean, sometimes that is self-care. Ultimately, the basic definition of self-care, taking a shower would be a lot of moms are denying themselves that, a daily shower, but it goes beyond that. So I focus a lot on the five pillars of self-care and that's physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and social. My advice would be is to start looking at each of those areas and asking yourself, what do I need today to feel more like myself? To feel more like yourself outside of your role as a mom or a wife or even a professional if you are working outside the home but really looking at those areas so for example physical self-care is all of those things that you would think of typically as self-care getting to sleep getting adequate and, and quality sleep moving your body getting exercise eating the nutrition making sure that you're eating healthier foods taking a bath, stretching, drinking water, staying hydrated, all of those things. Emotional self-care would be maybe unplugging from social media. Anything that you're doing to take care of your mental health and your emotional health, because they're so interconnected. Enjoying a cup of tea, coloring. There's lots of adult coloring books, but just that calmness. Using the Calm app or an app or guided meditation. Maybe engaging in a hobby like photography. Something that's going to get you out and just feeling, feeling better overall. And a lot of these are overlapping. So like exercise that's physical, but that also can have a profound effect on your emotional and mental health as well. So the spiritual pillar would, would include anything that's going to connect you to the wider universe. So it could include praying, but it can also include like stargazing, meditating, yoga, like writing a gratitude list, any of those things that are going to take care of your soul. That are going to make you feel like connecting with nature. Anything like that would all be included in that spiritual self-care. Intellectual is where you're stimulating your mind. So maybe doing a puzzle. Sudoku is one of my favorite things to do. Reading. Another one of my favorite things to do. Learning a new skill. Maybe watching TEDx talks. Learning to sew or knit. Like anything that's going to challenge your mind. And then finally the social pillar. And that is just connecting and investing in your relationships. So whether it be your kids, your spouse, you know, making sure you're doing regular date nights, getting out with some girlfriends, inviting a neighbor for for coffee, joining my Facebook group, right? These are all opportunities to be able to practice social self-care. It is just a way of asking yourself, what do I need? And then giving yourself that. And it could be so small, start start small, especially if you're not used to doing any of these things. You want to say, what's the smallest thing I can do to feel like I have a win today?
1: I love that there's so many Simple examples, and especially of looking at all the various aspects of our life and just picking one, just picking one. If you're not doing any of these things, then start with one thing, right? That's all it takes is to start with one thing, and then you'll reap the benefits of that one thing and it'll ripple out to the rest of it. And what came to mind as you were saying all of these things is for those moms that say, you know, I just don't have time for all of these things. What Mm. do you say?
2: What do you say to those moms who have the I don't have time. I don't have time objective. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I would love to do is say, okay, well, let's do a time audit, but right? That just takes too much time. So <laughs> we look at, you know, we make time for what we think is important. And that says a lot. If you're not spending time focusing on these self-care activities or engaging in a hobby or pursuing a passion or doing things that are going to make you feel alive, then we need that it's deeper than that. We need to work on recognizing your own self-worth. And recognizing that that you matter. So Right. Because
1: are we making time to take our kids to their hobbies? Yeah. Yeah. You know, to all the things that are filling their cup. Are we making time for them, but not for ourselves? Most likely. (laughs) I mean, just again, one of those questions to ask yourself. Are you prioritizing your kids' passions and hobbies Mm -hmm. and rest and all and nutrition and all of that? But Mm. you're not necessarily doing that for yourself. Just a question to ponder
2: you know and are you spending that time numbing yourself like either scrolling social media i I build my business on on facebook so i'm not like anti-social media but if you're using it as something to numb like there's something deeper going on or you know binging on netflix or one of them drinking there's so many different ways that you could be numbing the emotions that you need to be feeling yeah that it's important to recognize hey how are you spending your time and is it serving you if not Let's do something about it.
1: Absolutely. And if this is your excuse, if time is your excuse, we have an episode on that specifically. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I love that. And one thing before we'll wrap up here, Ani, is I also love the idea that as moms, when we prioritize taking care of ourselves, we act as models for our children to take care of themselves. When we show them... How we love ourselves, we teach them how to love themselves. So they grow up learning that being a mom doesn't mean sacrificing yourself for everyone else. I don't want my daughter growing up with that impression that she needs to put herself last. I want her growing up feeling empowered, feeling self confident, loving herself, and putting herself first Mm -hmm. so that she can give her best to the world, whether that be her own children or her passions or her career, whatever it is, I need to be able to model that for her. So she knows how to do that for herself. So
2: one hundred percent, yeah, yeah.
1: And and this has taken me a long time to realize but I just I wanted to share that with moms who may not understand the importance of this for themselves, because maybe there is that lack of self worth, just recognize, are you being the mom you want your daughter to be?
2: Yeah,
1: I would love to know, how people can work with you, how people can find you. You mentioned the me time challenge that's going on right now. What do you have coming up next? Yeah, I do that
2: a few times through the year. And then I also have other fun events going in and out of my Facebook group. I've got a summer book club that's happening. And this summer we're focusing on boundaries, stress, and self-confidence. And that is happening virtual and in person throughout the summer. I have master classes that happen periodically. Come join my Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, come join my Facebook group. I also have a podcast, Moms Without Capes podcast. So head on over there and you can listen to that and grab some freebies and some different resources. And I would love to connect with you and get you into my circle. Mm -hmm. Ani,
0: thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate the work that you do and the community that you've built in supporting moms and just sharing with our listeners, these small, simple steps that they can take to prioritize themselves. So thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being able to talk about something I'm so passionate about. Absolutely. And And we want to keep you on for just another moment because
1: as our tradition is to draw an Oracle card, as we wrap up the podcast and we all three drew this beautiful card before we started recording today. So we want to share this with you.
0: So I pulled a card from the spirit animal Oracle deck by Colette Baron Reed. And the card I pulled is the flamingo spirit. It's about embracing the in-between, you know, how flamingos can really balance themselves so well. I think that's something that we can certainly learn yeah. and learn from that image and just being strong in the face of adversity and uncertainty and just how its spirit is fully present in the now. And when we're present in the now, that's really where the magic happens. Kelly, did you want to share? Because I know that you love this card too.
1: It just embraces the journey, the messy journey of our lives, instead of always focusing on where we're going. And and the end goal, we get to appreciate where we are right now and just step into meeting ourselves where we're at. That might be for you. If if you're not taking a daily shower, maybe it's just getting into the shower and just embracing that. And I would love to hear from Ani what this card
2: says (laughs) and means to her. So I was super excited when you pulled this card. Because as I just learned recently, there is something special about the flamingo and how it relates to motherhood because mother flamingos actually turn a pale pink or lose some of their color when they are pregnant or when they're carrying their babies. And so as the baby grows, the mom's color is restored. The female flamingo's color is restored to a brighter pink, to the pink that we are familiar with. And so there's a whole movement started by Lindsey Girk, and it's all about getting your pink back. And I feel like it was so aligned with my mission with helping moms start feeling alive again and getting their pink back that when you pulled that flamingo card, I was like, oh yes, heck yeah, we're doing that card. (laughs) I just love how the
0: universe just pulls the perfect card for us. Mm -hmm. Always, always, always does. It always resonates the beautiful synchronicities and how it relates back to our conversation and your mission. So thank you.
1: It's a great mantra for moms, you know, getting your pink back. And get support to get your pink back yeah. from, from people like Ani to just help you find that rest and restoration so that you can start letting go and start accepting and receiving help and start stepping into your worth as a mother, as a human, and so that you can be that full, embraced, alive pink flamingo that we all are. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Ani. Thanks, Nadine. Yeah, Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To join our conversation, share your journey, or ask a question for future episodes, please send us a voice message by clicking the button in the show notes or send an email to hello at wecupodcast.com.
0: And remember to follow us to get notifications of our newest episodes when they release. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening from. Until next week, bona.